We are in a study this year on the church. Who is the church? What should we be? We're the ecclesia, the called out ones, elect of God to do his work, to invite all nations into the kingdom of the Lord. We studied the book of Ephesians, but now we're looking at a practical application. And Paul says this in 1 Corinthians. He gives instructions on how the church should meet. And repeatedly in the book of 1 Corinthians, he says, when you gather... So here we are, gathered together, and one of the first things I want to cover is when you gather, he says, sing. Now you wouldn't think that that's that important, singing, but to God, it is. And when you gather, this is in fact one of the first things we should do, and I want to bring you into that. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26, when you come together, each one has a hymn, You can read it in the Greek like this. Each one has a hymn, each one has a lesson, each one has a revelation, each one has a tongue, each one has an interpretation. In other words, he means as a whole, we together have hymns. And the word in the Greek is psalmo, which means songs. Each one has a song. We have a lesson. We have revelation. That means a prophetic word from the Lord for the now, for the right now. A tongue or interpretation, which brings tongues and interpretation to the level of prophetic or prophecy, so that we can hear from God in the immediate. And so we have lessons and teachings and revelation, but first is a song. Why should that be first? Because the first thing we do in the presence of the Lord is give Him honor and give Him our heart. When you meet someone you love that you haven't seen in a while, the first thing you do is give them a hug. Ah, how are you? I haven't seen you. You greet them, and that's what our song is. It's a greeting unto the Lord. But what is unique about this is we do it in union. We do it together. There is unity in singing. In Ephesians, Paul says this, Be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Jeez, that's the first order of business? Singing some songs? Really? It is. You must give honor to whom honor is due, and the Lord deserves our song to him. You may not know how to sing very good. doesn't matter. It's not coming from your vocal cords. Where's it coming from? Your heart. And he lists three different types of songs. Uh, I've talked about this before. I'm not going to get into the depth of it. Psalms would be the scriptural songs of David. We have an entire book in the Old Testament of Psalms. Hymns are the songs of the church throughout history and then spiritual songs are those uh, songs from the spirit man within you that gives voice to the Holy Spirit in your life and he says singing now that's oral presentation singing and making melody and the Greek word for making melody is to pluck a string it means instrumentally to have music And so we've just spent about a half hour worshiping Jesus. And what you may not have realized is that what's going on during that ministry of heart offerings to God, God is offering and ministering unto you. This is a rich time that I'm hoping through this word it will instruct you to dive into the worship aspect of gathering as the people of God. God gets so many things done during worship. 
He can heal. He can deliver. Some of you didn't realize it, but demons were cast out just this morning. They left out that back door because as you opened your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, he's bringing truth. He's bringing light. He's bringing revelation. He's reminding you of the things that have happened in the past that he's doing for you now. He's reminding you of his love, and you're speaking to him, and there's a word in Scripture called redound, not rebound, but redound, and that word means that as we sing unto him, he sings over us, and we feel his presence and then begin to sing deeper, and he sings over us. It redounds. It's a reverberation from heaven to earth to heaven to earth. There's something about singing, and the church has always sung. The word sing appears in Scripture over 160 times. It's a command. When you come together, sing. Have a hymn. Let's look at the history of the church. From day one, it's been in the heart of spirit believers to sing unto God. Pliny, uh, uh, the younger, was a historian, and in 112 AD, this is in the early centuries of the church, he wrote an account to Trajan, who was the Roman emperor, about this sect of believers called the way or Christians. And as he was reviewing them and watching their operation and what they did, he says this, they were accustomed to meet on a fixed day. You know the fixed day, the day of resurrection, the day of the Lord, Sunday, first day of the week. And they would come before dawn. Some of you thought nine o'clock was early. They would come before dawn and sing responsively a hymn to Christ as if to a God. So they, they exalted Jesus Christ as God, and that is within the doctrine and theology of the church. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh, and they would do what? What is the one account he remembered about this group? What would they do? Sing. They would sing. I've been around the world. I've been in China. I've been in Cuba. I've been in Africa. I've been in Russia. Uh, uh, I've been many, many places, and in every place that I've been to, the first order of business in every church I've ever been in is to sing to God. This is not something like, yeah, I'm just not into that. I'll come a little later for the sermon. I'm more into hearing some guy talk. Then you're missing on the exchange between heaven and earth. There is literally an exchange, and singing somehow can transpose between the physical realm into the spiritual realm and back again. Tertullian, third century theologian, to, written 200 AD, said this, uh, there are four things that cre- uh, Christians do when they come together. One, reading the scriptures. Two, singing psalms. Three, preaching for prayer. It's a top priority to sing. And like I said, maybe some of you, you know, you just don't sing. Maybe your wife's asking you, please, <laughs> you know, keep it done. Do something. Uh, Make a melody in your heart. Make some level of sound with your voice. If you can find the pitch of the song, or or one that kind of sounds like it goes, uh, hum. Do something. 
but engage in this spiritual activity that is in fact essential to the church. We've seen it now historically. I want you to see going all the way back in history to where God is explaining to Job who he is. Job had a problem, how many of you know that? And he he needed an audience with God and he was waiting to get one. And while he was hoping to have an audience with God, his good friends came along and told him what he did wrong to deserve everything he's been going through. You have some friends like that. So anyways, finally, God had a chance to talk to Job. And he said this, Were you there when I laid the foundations of the earth? On what were its bases sunk? And who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. See, this is God creating the physical universe. Nothing physical was in place yet. In the spirit realm, he had created angels. These morning stars seem to be some level of spiritual being, and sons of God are angels. And, you know, basically, God created his own soundtrack when he put creation into place. In the spirit realm, there is this chord There is this vibration. And if you would look at physics and look into science, you will see, even into the deepest depths of every uh, atom, everything's held together by sound waves. Everything in the physical universe is moving in waves of sound. And God is saying that when He said, let there be light, The angels couldn't get over it. They couldn't believe what was going on in this physical realm of beauty and stars and earth and sea and ground and animals. And they could do nothing but what? Sing and shout to the glory and majesty of God. The psalmist said this as well creation song the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork day to day it pours out speech and night to night it reveals knowledge there's no speech nor are there any words I thought he just said that there was words and knowledge wisdom it's being reflected in all that he created And though it speaks, there are no words. There's no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. In other words, you can't hear the sunrise and the sunset singing to the glory of God, but it's singing to the glory of God. Their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. And all of creation displays the handiwork of God and it is basically a song, a symphony that isn't reverberating but it is displaying God's glory. So much so that Paul tells us in Romans that we will be without excuse on the day of judgment as to whether we had any revelation as to whether there was a God or not. Creation displays Him. Every child knows that there's a God. They have to be taught that there isn't if they're going to be taught evolution. 
But it's constantly singing. Creation was made by a song with the angels declaring and the word of God giving speech, creating everything. And you and I are to respond in turn. The highest order of creation is man and woman. The highest level of God's beauty is in us. And our response should be to sing to his majesty. Hallelujah. It is a privilege to come together. When I was in China, we had to travel back, behind back roads. Had to have, uh, uh, they, you didn't want to be seen as a white man being in China. I had to cover my head. We had to be under blankets. We would drive into the underground church and go into buildings where they were all blacked out. All the windows had newspaper on them. And we would come together with the Christians there because literally if they were caught, they would be imprisoned. And as we were standing there, the first order of business was to worship God. And they would sing in a tone that you couldn't hear outside. And they would sing so softly. And as they're worshiping, because they couldn't raise their voice, their tears would run down their cheeks. And they would lift up hands and worship Jesus in an almost audible song weeping to his majesty see it's not about the volume it's not about the melodies and how intricate or how good is the guitar player it's not about any of that it's to come from here and it's to exalt the lord this is why you're gathered here today above anything else but to give him the glory that is due. In fact, Zephaniah says this, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He'll rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. God is singing this morning over you. Some of you have had the opportunity to hold your baby in your arms. And as you're rocking that baby, you would hum a melody or you would sing or even just make a, a noise to mm, have that baby just calm in your arms. God is singing over you. This is triumphant. God doesn't look down on you as scum. He looks down on you as his favored child, accepted in the beloved, so his beloved child. And he's singing songs over your life as you are singing to him. This is a beautiful experience. I'd like you to join me with it. So turn with me to Hebrews 12. And what Paul, oh, the writer of Hebrews, some say it's Paul, some say uh, someone else, a student of Paul, but... In Hebrews 12, the writer says this, you've not come to what may be touched. Chapter 12, verse 18, he's talking about the difference between the New Testament and the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, when Israel came to the Mount of God to be in his presence, they were so overwhelmed by his physical presence there 
And, and the writer says this, you've not come to what may be touched. You didn't come to a mountain. You didn't come to a tabernacle made by hands, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and tempest and the sound of a trumpet and the voice whose words made the hearers beg no more further message. Don't talk anymore, God. We're scared to death. That would have been pretty awesome. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it should be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. That's when the presence of God came to earth. He says this in contrast now to the New Testament church. You've come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering. What does festal mean? Festive, worship, glory, party time. You've come into the heavens where the king is glorious and victorious. You're not coming to an imitated place. You remember the tabernacle is an imitation made with wool and lamb and wood and gold to imitate the reality of heaven that's all they had and the presence of God would come with smoke and fire and it was a great light show not you you've been brought literally into the heavenly Jerusalem the throne room of God to an innumerable angels in festive gathering and to the assembly of the firstborn that's us Jesus is the firstborn who were enrolled in heaven and to God the judge of all and to the spirits of the righteous ones made perfect. Those are the saints that have gone on before us. And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse the one who is speaking. See, when we, when we gather, we're not waiting for the presence of God to come down. We're going up. We're in the presence of God, in His throne room. And if you could biblically orient your mind to grasp that as, that's why many times we close our eyes, is so that your imagination can kick in to what Scripture says, that we are not seated, seated in green chairs with this carpet and this lighting. We are in the presence of God. Literally among the saints who have gone before us who are singing with us and the angels who are in jubilee and jubilation over those who have been redeemed. This song is sacred. This is sacred music. That's why, you know, we don't need to imitate the world. We don't need to imitate their songs. We don't need to imitate their concerts. We don't need to imitate anything else. We need to sing a song of the redeemed and exalt him. Whether it's some old lady on an old organ or a piano or some guy playing his guitar. I've, I've sung... Uh, in worship to, to the craziest instruments around, or whether there's no instruments and it's a cappella and people are just singing out on the hillside or under a tree or anywhere, a symphony begins in heaven and you're in it. 
because we're singing to God. You know, MIT did a study most recently. You can look this up. It's all over the internet. And what MIT found out is this. For the first time, MIT neuroscientists have identified a population of neurons in the human brain that light up when they hear singing, but not other types of music. These neurons found in the auditory cortex appear to respond to the specific combination of voice and music, but not either regular speech or instrumental music. That's fascinating to me, because Paul said at the very beginning, come singing and making melody, the combination that lights up our brains. Now, we respond when we hear words, and we respond when we hear music, but there's a part of the neurons in our brain that when there is voice and music together, it highlights and heightens, and we as creatures respond to this. And Paul said that 2,000 years ago. Because he wants you to have heightened worship. Come, sing together. MIT goes on, the singing voice is the only musical instrument that almost everyone is born with. So one might expect us to have a rather different relationship with human song relative to other kinds of music. God wants to hear your voice because you are a unique individual. We know that there are some significant differences between the brain systems that control how we speak and those that control how we sing. So it's very interesting that some of these distinctions are also seen when we listen to human song. There's also been scientific research that when people pray in tongues and sing in tongues, the part of the brain lights up that is not active when you are giving speech out of your own cognitive reasoning. Our brains were geared for this kind of spiritual thing. Even false religions tune into it because they know something's resonating. But boy, when you plug it into the real God and His purposes, you stay in touch. Let me finish up with this. So what should we do? Paul says this, so what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit and I will pray with understanding. I will sing with my spirit and I will sing with understanding. Now that always amazed me. <coughs> he's talking about spiritual gifts and he's talking about praying in tongues or speaking in tongues. And he says, so what will I do? He said, I'm going to speak with understanding. What does that mean? Out of the cognitive reasoning of his own mind which is going to decide what comes out of your mouth but then he says I'm also going to speak by the spirit that's not coming from your cognitive reasoning that's coming from your spirit man so your mind he says is unfruitful in other words it's not the thing generating what's coming out of your mouth your spirit is generating what's coming out of your mouth now that that's cool that's a great explanation of the gift of tongues and and what is available as a prayer language to the believer and that's interesting but why did he go a step further and then say i'm gonna sing with understanding and i'm gonna sing in the spirit yeah, I think it would be enough just to pray in tongues and, and, to, and offer. But he goes on. Why? What does that say? That qualifies singing as having equal value to praying in the Spirit. 
Maybe some of you might decide to sing a little more. Maybe some of you might decide to join in to the worship. Because something is happening in the realm of the Spirit as you sing. Something is happening even within your mind that is lighting up and making you more aware of the Lord. How many of you want to understand the Word of God better? Sing. How many of you want to understand the concepts of the Lord and theology better? Sing. Start illuminating your mind and expanding and opening it up to the fullness of how God made you so that you can participate in what God's doing. Singing can be spirit-driven as well. You can sing in the Spirit. That's why so often when we're singing a congregational song, we're all singing the same words, we're in union, in unison, and saying the same speech together uh, as liturgy. Uh, as we're singing it, uh, we may come to an end of a phrase or the end of the song, and we linger there for the ability to begin singing out of your Spirit. Because there's no more words that can express how you feel, but the Spirit of God rises up and you begin to manifest spiritual song. It's powerful. What does this do, this singing? When you come together, each one of you has a hymn. When you come together, sing. He says, everything must be done so that the church may be built up, edified. Singing builds the body of Christ. How many of you have some memories of songs from the past? How many of you have memories of special songs that God just poured into your heart or you were broken over or touched? How many of you have ever been driving down the road and a song comes on the radio about Jesus and you can't help it? You'd be going, oh, the Spirit of God floods the car. Right? Singing. Singing. You ever look at someone at a red light and they're just busting out, oh, doing all, dancing at the wheel and everything? Song does something. The church is built up. If we want to have unity in the church, we need to sing. If we want to have one heart in one accord, we need to say the same thing. So we do it to melody because it heightens our mind capacity and it in increases our spiritual uh, connectivity to God because he's singing over us. Join the song. Last of all, he says it should be done fitting and in orderly ways. There are times when the volume increases because the, the, the outpouring and the anointing increases to all of us, so we all get charged up together. It would be out of order if, as we're singing, one of you decides to take a solo. But they're blessed. Well, that's great. God bless you. But there's supposed to be unity in this. So here's the real practical aspect. When you're singing, it's not about you. It's not your solo. You may be amazing. You wouldn't believe some of the things we've had over the years here. Uh, we had to ask a fellow who brought his flute to church to stop playing flute. He wasn't up here. He was back there. And as everyone's singing, he's playing the flute. And the people around him are like, what? you know, it wasn't that good. <laughs> some churches are really good with tambourines, man. That's awesome. But sometimes there's a lot of people who are off with the tambourine and everybody's upset around them and this and that. We're trying to bring order. 
Whatever's happening in the, in the, in the sense of the, the service, then let's do it in order. When, when you sense the quietness of the Lord coming down, join. Because right now, the music director is the Holy Spirit. So listen and follow what He's doing. Many times we'll be at the end of a song and there's just this great surge of singing and worship in the Spirit. And, and it's, it's at a level that is, is amazing and reflective. And somebody has a prophetic word and they're trying to shout over the singing. Don't do that. You're out of order. Wait. There'll be time. Wait for the Holy Spirit to be satisfied with what he's presenting to the Father through the congregation. You'll hear me sometimes say, let's hold off on prophecies. Wait, please, because the Holy Spirit is conducting worship. And he's doing something, and he's presenting it to the Father. And I know you heard from the Lord, and you want to share it, and you're excited about it, but the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. Hold on, because there's a song going on that you don't want to interrupt. Let it flow. And wait for that time when the Holy Spirit's bringing the singing down, and now he's ready to shift into the revelation part and the prophetic part. Does this make sense to you? So let it all be done decently and in order. And sometimes that decent and in order is raucous. Last Friday night, we, had a, uh, we celebrated the Feast of Trumpets, and uh, we had a marching line. We marched around the sanctuary with banners and flags. It was done decently and in order because we were all in it, and we were all shouting, and we were all triumphant, and the trumpets were blowing, and we had a parade. But it was in unity as one heart and one mind. So when you come together, sing. Join in. Let's bow our heads.